Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all well on this glorious Sunday evening. Rory O'Hagan here with you until 7 p.m. So bring you all the best in sport. Coming up on the show tonight, going to hear from Phil Healy after her run at the European Indoor Final last night. A PB just outside the medals. We'll get her reaction in just a little bit. Also on the show, going to have the second part of her interview with Roar Gary O'Donovan. We're going to talk to co-Ramblers midfielder Dave O'Leary about uh, the season ahead, about why he signed for Ramblers from Avondale and his hopes for the year ahead as well. And we're going to hear from Billy Holland, uh, who was speaking earlier on in the week about announcing his retirement at the end of the season. So all that and more to come right here on The Big Red Bench. It's been an interesting day in the Premier League so far. Manchester United are 2-0 up on Manchester City in the Manchester Derby at the Etihad Stadium today. Bruno Fernandes with a penalty inside the first couple of minutes, followed by Luke Shaw getting uh, the game's second goal. And Manchester United, it's safe to say, are the better team by far in this game. It's Manchester City nil. Manchester United 2 is the latest score from that game. We get an update now from Peter Smith. City nil United to a 49th minute goal from Luke Shaw United broke Rashford got the ball to Shaw in the area 15 yards out a left footed low strike which rolled into the bottom corner City nil United 2 Elsewhere, Liverpool beaten again at home today. Six consecutive home defeats for the Reds as uh, they lost to Fulham this afternoon. Shane Pennington watched this one. Liverpool nil, Fulham one. Scott Parker's side record a huge win to complete a Merseyside double as they move level on points with four from bottom Brighton and extend their unbeaten away record to eight matches. Mario Lamina's first half goal proved the difference, but it could and maybe should have been more. Josh Madger missed two good chances, as did Adam Earl Luckman. Liverpool did show signs of improvement in the second half with Mane hitting the woodwork and Jota denied by Ariola. but it's now over 11 hours since the champions scored here as he still awaits a first home win this year Liverpool nil, Fulham 1 Incredible the run that Liverpool have been on this is manager Jurgen Klopp not good obviously but it's not that I, 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 I'm a human being I have to think as well before I speak I cannot go inside all the time and, and then have it Im- immediately after a game like this the right word so it's, it's, it's a tough one to take for all of us Absolutely huge result for Fulham in their battle to avoid relegation as well that puts them on to 26 points level with Brighton who have a superior goal difference just a point behind Newcastle United this was the reaction of their manager Scott Parker who says his players are determined to stay in the Premier League I'm very very pleased me as a coach you keep banging that drum I have full belief but ultimately you need results sometimes to really make your words a little bit stronger and maybe a little bit more believable you don't perform like we do over the last few weeks if you haven't got that West Brom and Newcastle finished uh, scoreless earlier on today Abigail Davies was watching It's finished West Brom nil, Newcastle nil here at the Hawthorns Both sides had chances but it was a game that largely lacked quality at both ends of the pitch A frustrating afternoon for both sides who'll feel they've missed an opportunity to bolster their survival chances For West Brom, another match where they can take encouragement from the performance their work rate and defensive qualities but fail to claim the three points which they so desperately need at this stage of the season For Newcastle, Joe Linton looked good in spells, but it's clear they're going to struggle without their three best forwards. Final score, West Brom nil, Newcastle nil. So that's West Brom, to eight points off safety with ten games left to play. But boss Sam Allardyce admits that staying in the top flight is looking unlikely. 
nothing short of a miracle if that happened. It could be possible, it could it can be done, but it would need a, a humongous effort to to actually achieve that. So uh, we've slipped up so um, many times in terms of not converting our, our performance into three points. One more game tonight as well, a quarter past seven as Tottenham entertain Crystal Palace. That's at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where Joe Rawson Joe Rawson is watching. Tottenham manager Jose Mourinho sounded a little envious in his pre-match press conference when he said Crystal Palace boss Roy Hodgson worked without any real pressure than to have a stable season. I'm sure Roy would take issue with that view, but there's no doubt all the emphasis is on Spurs to win this London derby as they try to keep their faint hopes of a top four finish alive. Serge Aurier could return to the team while it will be interesting to see whether the Fab Four of Kane, Son, Bale and Ali start a second game in a row. Palace will be majorly boosted by the return of nine-goal man Wilfred Zahar who's been out for a month with a hamstring injury. At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is Tottenham Hotspur versus Crystal Palace. And 77 minutes on the clock now at the Etihad Manchester City nil Manchester United 2 we keep you posted on that one. The Rangers wait for a 55th Scottish Premiership title has come to an end after a decade. They've been confirmed as champions after Hull or Celtic could only draw nil all at Dundee United and that uh, officially ends the 10 in a row hopes uh, former Rangers player and manager Graham Souness says he's delighted that uh, Rangers weight is now over it's been a long time coming Celtic have had a period of domination which was I'll say uncomfortable for us Rangers supporters thoroughly deserve it been fantastic all season and I just wish I was in Glasgow right now <laughs> and uh, Roy Keane of course on duty for Sky today was asked uh, for his reaction Roy any words of celebration for Rangers uh, for Rangers, no. Listen, it's been obviously a tough year for Celtic, but they'll bounce back next year like all great clubs do. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for Rangers there uh, from the Cork man. In Athletic, Sean Tobin came 11th in the 3,000 metres final at the European Indoor Championships in Poland this evening. The Clonmel native clocking a time of 7 minutes, 58.11. Elsewhere, Sarah Lavin's fourth place finish in a time of 8.07 wasn't enough to qualify for the 60 metres hurdles final. Kieran Avalos missing out in the final spot in the 60 metres after finishing 7th in her semi final. In golf, Lee Westwood taking the lead uh, into the final round of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The Englishman has a one-shot advantage on 11 under par with Roy McIlroy in tie for 7th on 7 under. He's preparing to tee off in just about 10 minutes' time, actually. Pauly Carrington is 2 under par through 5 holes of his final round. Leon Maguire is in a tie for 13th on 3 under after 6 holes of her final round of the LPGA's Drive-On Championship. She is 10 shots off the pace. Stephanie Meadow, 2 over par after 11 holes. Snooker Mark Allen bowing out of the Gibraltar Open, marking the end of the Irish interest. He was beaten 4 frames to nil by Judd Trump at the quarter-final stage earlier on today and uh, Manchester City on the attack uh, trying to uh, get a goal back he'll make it for a very interesting last 10 minutes at the Etihad Stadium and nothing doing there it's still Man City nil Manchester United 2 and that would close the gap uh, uh, at the top to 11 points but it looks like it's still all over bar the shouting with 10 games left to go now uh, we were talking about athletics uh, Phil Healy last night the Balanine Bullet finishing fourth in the women's 400 metres final at the European Indoor Athletics Championships in Poland the Cork Sprinter setting a new uh, lifetime best though of 51.94 seconds in the final which was 2100 off bronze Femke Ball of the Netherlands took goal Healy though has been telling Will Downing that she's still buzzing for her best ever result well Phil in one way, commiserations, but in another way, congratulations. Fourth in a European final, but also a PB, a new lifetime best for you. Absolutely. Look, it is so close to the medals. It was just 0.2 out. 
but I came away with a personal best. It was my third race since yesterday morning. So to do that, to be in a world-class field, I'm thrilled. And look, I know people would be disappointed coming forward, but for me, coming to my first senior um, major final, and then coming away with four. Um, I know an awful lot of people said like it's going to be Swifey, Bowl and Clabber. And everyone in that race has speed and anyone can take the bell. So I have to put myself in contention. Jodie came flying from the inside. It was four of us going down the back street and maybe I did get caught in a bit of a mess. But look, I came home strong. All other major championships. I haven't had that last 50, so to come away fourth, I'm buzzing and it makes it all the sweeter to get a PB in the process. Yeah, because you had a few Universiade finals before, but uh, I mean, it's your first big major senior championship final. Yeah, like I have come to two World University finals, but you always want to make it to a major senior um, championship final and any of those girls today would have been in the medals if it was a world indoors so to be in contention with them to be battling for the medals I'm just really really happy and it was close but I gave it everything and that's one thing I said coming into the final was I would go out fighting and i die fighting in the process so that is what I did and I'm just buzzing to come away with a PB and finish these championships on a high and then take it on into outdoors. I mean, the build-up was a bit different for you this year. The calendar was left a lot more vacant. Uh, has that benefited you, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I always come out and run quick on my first race at the end of a block or the start of a season. So it allowed us to push training that bit longer. And especially last season. Oh, no, actually, that was the season before. But even... Last year was a bit up and down with everything that was going on and it was, we pulled back the intensity so it just allowed us to push training on that bit more normal throughout the winter and push it into February before I started racing. Were you where you wanted to be in the first lap as that race was developing? Look, <laughs> it, the goal was to come second at the bell, I think I was fourth but... It was anything can happen, but I was in control. I made my moves going down the back straight. And um, I am really happy how it finished. And yes, maybe I could have set myself up differently, but I ran a PB and that's all I'm delighted about. Well, that was definitely a messy race. And it's my third race since yesterday morning, so I definitely think... There is a lot quicker there, and I'll use that for future major championships. And of course, the ultimate major championships schedule later this year. What's your schedule? Have you something set out yet ahead of the Olympics? No, so that's something that I'll discuss with Shane, but like these two 400s really set me up nicely to qualify for the four for Olympics as well. Um, so I will just need three outdoor fours, three quality fours, and I pretty much have the 200 box ticked, being ranked 29th out of 56, so Shane will look after all that and I'll do the training and uh, 
step on the track and do the races. Yeah, it was uh, Brent Stoff from Phil Healy last night. A PB in the European Indoor Final. Fantastic run from her. Just 21 hundredths off a bronze medal. Incredible stuff. Watched that race last night. My heart in my mouth. And she certainly, as she said herself there, uh, she wanted to go fighting and fighting. She certainly did. An absolutely incredible performance from Phil Healy in Poland. Congratulations indeed to her. Uh, Manchester City are pushing, pushing, pushing to get a goal back here at the Etihad Stadium. They still trail Manchester United by two goals to nil and time is running out. 84 and a half minutes now on the clock and it's looking like that's going to be a Manchester United win. Uh, but City, as I say, piling on the pressure but United... Um, holding on to it or doing quite well but I don't think uh, Henderson's had too many saves to make in the Manchester United goal but uh, we'll keep you posted on that one Manchester City nil Manchester United to the latest score from there now last night we heard part one of Valerie's chat with Olympic hopeful and rower of course Corkman Gary uh, O'Donovan uh, we'll hear how they've been keeping up to date on training with the lack of competitive training and how the success of 2016 in Rio helped grow rowing as a sport but the lack of competitive, I maybe rowing has been difficult for you this year, probably to be able to judge how you're going to perform. Do you think that would have any effect? Uh, I don't think so. No, not really, because like between us, there's a bunch of us there. We've got years and years of international racing experience, and and with that comes years and years of training at home domestically and competing domestically. So we can gauge a lot of like what our speeds are and how fast we are, and compared to like like I can compare my my strength, my physiology, my, you know, there's a lot of science behind this, like my lung capacity, what erg scores I can get on the rowing machine. Um, and we can compare like January this year to January last year to January 2015 to January 2010. And then, you know, like you can do that for every month and there's markers. We do testing at different markers each time every year and we can compare like for like. And I guess, you know, in the early days of our international career, you know, maybe 2014, 15, 16, when we were starting out and trying to figure out how to become you know, successful internationally, we didn't really know if the numbers we were getting were going to be good or not. And in 2016, that was probably our our breakthrough year. Um, we got really good numbers, but we didn't know that they were good. You know, in the winter time, it wasn't until we went racing in spring and we found out, okay, geez, those numbers we did in Christmas were good enough to get us medals. And now we can we can compare to those numbers that we've done before. And every year that we train and every year that we do well internationally, the more data we accumulate and the more knowledge we have, um, not just myself, but for the whole team to share um, across the board of, like across all categories and for all the coaches to have that information, we can say, all right, if I can get this time in January of 2021, then I should be able to go so fast in July 2021 if, if everything goes according to plan. And then you can take like my data and Paul's data and Finton's data and all the other people on the team and you can compare that across different categories. So, if someone is, you know, if, if a women's lightweight double is as fast as a men's lightweight single, then they should do well internationally um, in their event. So we can compare like for like across categories. And I think, you know, I think that's why you'd see if, if people are paying attention to their drawing team, that we've been growing successfully internationally year on year since 2016. Um, and we've been winning more and more medals every year and better medals. You know, we, we started off winning some medals in the non-Olympic events. I know loads of people are winning medals at, in the Olympic events. And I think that's because of um, a lot of the accumulation of data we've built up over the years and people know that if they can go fast early in the year and what markers they have to hit, then they can go very fast at the end of the year and hopefully pick up medals. 
that was a bit of a long-winded answer, but you know, you, I hope <laughs> no. I was able to, to explain myself a bit. In I did, I understood, I understood you well, but you mentioned with the success of 2016 and how you've been growing so much over the last few years and the success you've had since, um, I know you personally won't want to take credit for it, but I think your success probably played a part in the growth of rowing as a sport. Yeah, I, well, it, 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 I think it definitely did. Um, but more importantly, I think it's like, I think it's, it's the fact that people actually realize, and it was for ourselves as well, like we didn't know that we could win medals, you know, when, until we actually went and won medals because we were competing at, at different levels and internationally at different world championships and world cups and we weren't winning medals for a long, long time. <clears throat> and we didn't know ourselves and we were just training hard and training hard and, you know, we'd, we'd do a year's training and we weren't, we, were, we weren't at the races with the top guys and then we'd come back and we'd say, all right, what do we do? We must do something different because what we done last year didn't work. Do we do more of the same? Do we do more of something different? And, and we tried and done a lot of trial and error. And then we won medals and we were like, okay, we kind of have this cracked a little bit. We've got a better idea now that, and we know that we can win medals because we've done it. And then we started to believe more and more in ourselves and more and more in what we were doing. And we got more confidence from that. And then I think more people were able to, to, to see, okay, well, Irish people can win medals. And there was people who were, you know, myself and Paul were the top two men in 2015 and 2016. And when we won medals, there was a bunch of guys behind us who weren't far behind us. So we were there, like we were in the spotlight in Rio, and there was a lot of people who you'd never heard of. Um, you know, Shane O'Driscoll, Mark O'Donovan, Fintan McCarthy, Jake McCarthy, a bunch of, like there was just a bunch. And they were just a little bit behind us. And there was a stepping stone there. And I think all those guys, like, whether they had been heard of or not, they knew that like, okay, if I can go a little bit faster, I can get a medal. And therefore, then they went and did that. 2017, we saw Mark and Shane become world champions in the pair. Denise, Denise Walsh, and I know I was saying we can compare one category against another. Like if, if a lightweight women's single is so many seconds behind a lightweight men's double, then, then, she, has, then she has a good chance of winning a medal. And Denise got a European silver. Sunita went from 13th in Rio to fourth place in 2017. And I think, you know, that, that was a very close race for Sunita. And she, I think she started to believe more, okay, I'm, I'm very close to the medals. Another year I can get there. 2018, she went and became a world champion. And myself and Paul got more confident as well that we could go and win medals. Like we had, we had won the Europeans in 2016. We got a few fourth places. We got a silver medal. But then 2017 and 18, we got more consistent and we started winning more medals at, at more events than we were turning up to. And there was less fourth places. And, um, and you could see, like, I think, and I think a lot of that was just the, the knowledge that we had accumulated, you know, we had learned. And I think a lot of it was that we had learned the hard way. You know, we'd, we didn't have, we didn't have a lot of resources um, in most areas. You know, we, we, we had a little limited access to, you know, strength and conditioning, human physiology, um, biomechanical resources, this type of thing that that's all very beneficial. So, when you're comparing ourselves to like the German rowing team, the British rowing team, the Australian rowing team, these big powerhouses with massive backing, massive funding, years and years of success, they've got, like, we didn't have this. So we were just like guessing, reading research papers online. Paul had studied a bit of sports science in college. So he, he was, we were like digging into that a lot. Anytime we had access to the physiologist or to the SNC or to the nutritionist, you know, a couple of times a year, we'd grill them with questions. We'd like, we'd have, we'd just be absolutely hounding them for information, trying to take it all in. And I think, you know, we're very lucky now that, well, what I've noticed that over a couple of years is that the athletes on the Irish team tend to have a lot more understanding of what they're doing compared to athletes on bigger teams where they're just kind of like told they'd have like full-time 
scientists around them telling them, okay, you got to do this, you got to do that. Whereas we've got to like figure out, okay, what do I got to do? And so we've got, um, we've got a very good understanding. And then we're able to like pass on that knowledge to younger athletes who are coming up through the program. And then the more athletes that come up through the program and get successful, then they can pass it on and they can pass it on to other clubs in Ireland. And, and the more clubs in Ireland that have got more athletes on the team, the more information that those clubs are getting and the, the higher the level of, of athlete that they'll produce over the years and years and years. And, and it's coming slowly, but surely, and we're starting to see, you know, th- that Skibreen was, was probably the club for a long mm-hmm. time, but now we are seeing more clubs coming into the Irish program and it's not just all about Skibreen. And um, yeah, it's, it's great to see like when you kind of take a step back and look at the, the big overall picture of, of Irish rowing and where it's come from and where it's going and not just like the international success, but the standard of racing at domestic regattas, is, it's, it's really coming on. Do you see yourself as a role model? Uh, or I don't know. I mean, like, I guess because, I mean, when, when I was rowing, anybody who ever won a medal in rowing was a massive role model to me, no matter where they were from. You know, if I, when we started going to races first, I was just like walking around the, the rowing venues with my jaw dropped, at, looking at all these boys and girls who I'd seen winning medals for years from all over the world. And I used to go up to them like after racing and ask them questions like, what training do they do and where do they live? And, you know, what food do they eat and all this kind of stuff. And I was amazed at it. So I'm guessing like if there's, if there's young, young people out there who want to win medals and they see me around the place, they're probably going to be thinking the same as what I was thinking. Like, this guy's good. What do I got to do to be, to be like him? You know, what food does he eat after a race? What food does he eat before a race? So this, this is all the kind of thing I was doing. So I'm guessing, yeah. And hopefully then, you know, like, I mean, if, if, if I'm at a regatta, it's like, I think it's, it's kind of important. And we all think, I think like Paul, Finton, all the guys on the team, Ron and Sunita, like they're all very accessible. And they're, they're like, we always try and compete in Ireland if there's regattas going on. And therefore people, even if they're not even talking to us, just to be there and they can see us, see what warm up we're doing, see how we carry our boat to the water and, and you, you, you kind of learn from, when you're young, I used to learn from all the older guys in the rowing club in Skibreen. And, you know, even if I, I used to grill them with questions, but even when I wasn't grilling them with questions, I was just observing what they did because they were faster than me. Um, so, yeah, it's probably. You did join us today because FBD uh, sponsored Team Ireland and they have been great towards you, support towards the Olympic hopefuls, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, they've been very good. I've been working with FBD, you know, for since, pretty much since the Rio Olympics. And um, they've been very good. To, to to myself and Paul individually and I think more recently they've been very very good to the whole Olympic team and you know they've been um, it's just been a, a real uh, you know it's been a real security that they've been able to to give us that support especially given that the Olympics got postponed last year you know it could have been easy for them to say oh look it's it's gone but no they, they said we're going to tough this out and, and help out the athletes because um it's uncertain times for us and it's uncertain times for them, but their commitment kind of makes it easier. And, and not just, I think, what, where they've been very good, not just at helping uh, the, the top athletes and the athletes who are going to the Olympics, but you'd see there recently, a few weeks ago, they've, they've kind of introduced this new scholarship for athletes who, who were um, Olympic hopefuls who hadn't qualified. And I think, you know, that, that sort of thing just kind of emphasizes that they want us to do well. They want sport to do well in Ireland and they're, they're willing to back the athletes um, and take a chance, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to take a chance on an athlete, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a gamble and they've been willing to do that. And often, oftentimes I think for athletes who haven't made it, I mean, I've been through this and I think any, any athlete who's ever been successful has been through this kind of conundrum where you kind of, to, to, to be successful, you need, you need backing and you need resources. Um, and to get the backing and the resources, whether it be financial, 
whatever whatever it is uh you need to be successful so like there's there's that kind of a sticky situation where athletes who aren't quite there can't get access to resources uh, athletes who are there get them and i think you know for fbd to take a chance on athletes like that then you know that's that's a good thing and that'll hopefully show dividends come the summer when when athletes are competing and being successful at the olympics so fair play to them for that brilliant it was great chatting to you thanks so much for joining us in the big red bench as always the very best luck thanks valerie yeah, always great to hear from Gary O'Donovan there. Really interesting chat there with Valerie about uh, his year ahead. Really, really interesting stuff. If you missed the first part of that, it's available on the Big Red Bench podcast. You can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcasts from. Just waiting on the full-time whistle to go at the Etihad Stadium. Still Manchester City now. Manchester United too as they are into the... Uh, they're actually gone past the, the time uh, added on, but it's going to be a big win for Manchester United. In fact, the full-time whistle has gone. Manchester City now. Manchester United too is uh, a great result there for the Red Devils and uh, we'll get a report on that from Peter Smith very very shortly indeed who's watching that game for us today still to come on the show going to talk to David O'Leary of Cove Ramblers about the season ahead and we're going to hear from Billy Holland on why he's uh, calling it a day at the end of the season The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. This evening it is all over at the Etihad Stadium where Manchester United have beaten Manchester City by two goals to nil. United now 11 points behind with 10 games left. Is that gap still too big or is there a chance for Manchester United? Uh, but a great win today for the Red Devils uh, in that game and a very, very good performance indeed. We'll get a full-time report on that in just a little bit. Now, of course, the uh, League of Ireland season kicking off very, very soon indeed. Of course, the Premier Division back on the 19th of March, but we don't care about that. We're all about the First Division this year and an absolute cracker to kick off the First Division campaign as Cove Ramblers and Cork City Head to head, that will be at Turner's Cross. Cannot wait, cannot wait for that game. And now, Cove Ramblers are boosting their ranks with David O'Leary, who signed the former Cork City man arriving from Avondale United. I got a chance to speak today last week, just after Ramblers had played Longford in their first preseason game. Yeah, you know, we went up, we played Longford, just got promoted there last year, um, and I thought we did a, a very good account of ourselves. Um, they're after strengthening their team as well, you know, and you know they'll uh, they'll be uh, they'll be quite strong this year, you know. But we went up with two teams, um, you know, we played uh, eleven in the first half and a diff- different eleven in the second, and uh, you know we won the first half, we drew the second half, you know, and it was a good performance by ourselves. Um, what's the buzz been like around the the, the Ramblers training camp? I suppose in, the, in advance of the season. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a good buzz. There's a good uh, there's a good group of lads there. There's um, you know, we all seem to have the same goal, which is a good thing. There's uh, no Mayfainers, you know, we're, we're all out for the same thing. Um, you know, and you can kind of see it in training and, you know, you know, we just, hopefully it'll continue, you know, for the season. Um, tell us how the move to Ramblers came about. Um, yeah, Stewie, I was talking to Stewie um, during lockdown um, with the no soccer happening in Cork uh, at the moment and you don't know what's around the corner. Um, I was delighted to um, have the opportunity to go up and play. You know, it's, I haven't played in the league for the last three years, you know. Um, so, as I said, look, it, it's an opportunity that I couldn't really turn down. 
how frustrating has lockdown been for you as a footballer considering the last two months of senior league seasons with Avondale have pretty much been wiped out yeah you know like the year before we weren't really doing that well um, this year we had a great start to the year so you kind of you, you take things for granted when uh, when you're playing all the time you know it was, as I said I, I wouldn't be a big fan of pre-season never really liked it but um, <laughs> does anybody like pre-season <laughs> <laughs> but it's you, you take it for granted and you know as you say last night and I was buzzing just as I say going up to Dublin as I said coming in at 2 o'clock in the morning isn't nice because it takes up your whole day but as I say I, I wouldn't change it now you know you you, you miss it Mm, exactly yeah. I mean like it must be very hard like you know for uh, like not just the Avondale players but all the Munster Senior League players to have a, almost a year of football just completely wiped out a year of their careers completely wiped out yeah well your career in soccer is short enough as it is um, you know so as you say we started a season last year started one this year you don't know if it's going to go ahead the uncertainty around it I think it's just it's unfair um, you know on everyone uh, because even though it's amateur, you still act in a professional manner um, in the Munster Senior League, the way we've done it in Avondale. Um, we two good coaches there, you know, doing Zoom classes uh, three days a week, you know, having a running schedule. As I say, it's as professional as other clubs I've been at, mm. you know. Um, so I just think it's quite unfair, all the effort that's going in behind the scenes and not really have the opportunity to play. Yeah, Zoom classes, though, just no substitute for being out in the pitch with the lads. No, no. And I, as I said, that was, um, you noticed that when I went first training session with Cove, you know, you can do as many Zoom classes as you want. It's not the same as being out in the pitch, um, kicking a ball, you know, uh, doing them as a group, doing the running, because those running sessions on the road, it's not the same, you know, you're doing this, that and the other, sending a time. And it's it's just not the same as being on the pitch. It's also the social aspect of it as well, Dave. I mean, like just being in the dressing room with the lads is a massive part of it as well. And that was all just taken away. Exactly. Yeah. You know, as I said, there's a there's a close knit group with Avondale, um, you know, and there's a group chat going every day, people talking. But it's it's just not the same. You know, it's you see Gary Dempsey, what he's been putting up on uh, social media lately about how it's affecting the whole country, what's mm. going on. And it's the exact same for um, the fellas in the Munster Senior League so when Stewie came to you and said would you be interested in Ramblers was it something you had to think about or did you say right yeah definitely I want to be back this I want to be back playing football no it was a no brainer really um, you know I, I've been out to the cross I've been out to Coleman's Park you know um, over the last few years you know um, as I said I just I'd love live football whenever I was playing around the country I always when I came home my Friday nights to my uh, to my missus discuss you know was uh, going out watching the game uh, <laughs> but it, it was just uh the love, love for it, you know, uh, League of Ireland football. And as I said, when I got the opportunity to go back to it, it was just a no-brainer. Um, Cove Ramblers have been knocking on the door. They've been there thereabouts the last couple of years. Um, obviously, Stewie's probably confident of a promotion push this year. Yeah, well, as I said, the aim, talking to the lads last year, was kind of looking for uh, promotion, you know, getting to the playoffs. Um, we're kind of setting our sights a bit higher this year. We, we want to win automatic promotion um, a lot of clubs won't think we're able for it which is grand you know that's mm. that's their um, opinion but as you say look I think if we carry on doing what we're doing we'll kind of go under the radar and uh, we'll be um, uh, you'll see come the end of the season hopefully that uh, their opinions will change It's shaping up to be the most competitive and closely fought first division campaign that I can remember with so many good teams there <laughs> 
yeah, well, if you look at the caliber of the clubs in the first division this year, it's uh, you could say ten years ago could look like a Premier Division um, league. You know, um, you see the players that come in from Premier Division clubs to these clubs. Um, you could see some of them doing well in the Premier Division. You know, so it's 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 going to be a league. I think this year where everybody will be taking points off everyone. You know, um, you could see last year the way the league finished. There was a handful of points from first to fifth, you know. Um, Cove were very unfortunate last year not to make the playoffs. I think it was on goal difference. Yeah. or um, So, you know, it's it's going to be something similar, I believe, this year, you know. And as I say, look, it's just trying to get over that line. And as you say, outsiders won't give you much of a chance, but flying under the radar would probably suit you a lot. Yeah, like, as you said, like we went up, played long for last night, a Premier Division team. We're playing Rovers there on Sunday, which will be another good test. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I, I don't mind people writing us off early doors at all. It's just if we're not in that same mentality, you know, mm-hmm. so which is good. Um, we believe we have a strong group of people, you know, um, involved, you know, on the staff and on the team, you know, and we have the same objective. So, as I said, look, they can think whatever they want. We know our goal and uh, we'll stick to it. Stuart Ashton teams are always very well organised, but they play very, very good football, which as a midfielder, you want to get on the ball a lot, must be particularly um, uh, appetising for you, I guess. Exactly, yeah. You know, I've had a chat with him, you know, what he kind of wants me to do um, and how I can help the team, you know, kind of progress, you know, get that that extra step, you know, what they just didn't do last year, you know, um, get into the playoffs. So, as I said, you know, as you said, he's very structured and um, he wants you to play ball. He wants you to do the right things and um, he's given me the platform to try and uh, help the club. And for you, I suppose you're comfortable, I suppose, playing six or eight or even ten. I mean, like, what does Stuart have kind of envisioned for you for this season? Yeah, it's a bit of everything. It kind of de- depends on really who we're playing. But um, as I said, look, I, I've kind of done the box to box before. You know, I've done the sitting row. So, as I said, whatever he says on the day, I don't really mind doing. You know, if he tells me play full back, I'll play full back. You know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. As I say, we all have the same goal. And I think a few fellas on the team are willing to adjust what their goal is individually to kind of get a collective goal for the end of the year and I suppose uh, a lot of young players in that Cove team as well so you'd probably bring uh, that bit of experience that kind of calm balanced kind of assured head in the middle of the park yeah well I, I've been playing league, well, I, as I said the last three years I haven't been playing in the League of Ireland but I started when I'm 17 I'm 28 now and I'm uh, one of the elder lemons I suppose <laughs> <laughs> there now Turns is uh, the only one older than me in there you know so as I suppose I kind of bring a bit of experience to that but like you look at a lot of lads who would be deemed young, you know, about 20, 21 years of age. But if you look at it, they've been with Cove for the last three years, you know, so they have a bit of experience now. So it's it's not only the kind of older fellas on the team, you know, the younger fellas have this experience now under their belt as well. So hopefully, you know, they can use that as well this year and um, push on. And off the field, Dave, as well, Ramblers are very, very impressive with the way they're doing their business and getting all the sponsorship deals, the Beverly Castle deal and so on. So things looking very bright in the, in the future for Cove. Yeah, you can see the background work that's going on there is fantastic. Um, you know, it's not easy, especially with what's going on at the moment um, with COVID, you know, getting the sponsorship. It's, it's just not easy at all. So you can see they're doing their homework, they're um, reaching out and the support that's uh, we're receiving is fantastic you know so second to none so as I say all credit due to the club there and all the sponsors uh, exactly yeah um, what was your reaction when the fixtures were published and you saw Cork City turn us cross first game 
yeah, delighted. You know, as I said, everyone kind of looks to when you see the names of the clubs. As I said, there's not going to be a week go by where you're not be playing a big club. Um, City are in that bracket, you know. Um, but as you said, look, a derby. It's just a shame that there's no fans in it, um, especially for the first game because I always find the first game of the season is. Uh, one of the best games of the season because there's a buzz about the place everyone wants to kind of get back going lay down their mark for the year and you know no better way to do it against City and the Cross and you're facing your former side as well which will be uh, interesting I suppose yeah as I said I, I, I know a few lads involved there still um, you know talk to them regularly you know and you know they, City have strengthened as well you know so as I said it'll be a good game um, you know we, we'll put up them and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens as you mentioned, it, it is a shame that fans won't be there. I mean, imagine a packed Turner's Cross for that game. It would have been a, an incredible experience. Yeah, well, as you say, look, they always get great support um, out in the cross with everything that's going on. It's a shame, you know, as I said, I've seen pictures there. Um, I think it was on the Cove website there not so long ago of the crowds back in the early 2000s when they were playing each other. And you see it's a sellout. And you're just kind of going, you know, hopefully it'll kind of get back that stage, you know. Like, as I said, there won't be any supporters there now on the 26th of March. But, you know, when we play them again, hopefully things may change that supporters can get in um, for a game in Coleman's or Turner's Cross. And on the plus side as well, it was announced yesterday that all the First Division games are going to be streamed, which is a massive help, I suppose, and a massive boost for clubs up and down the country. Yeah, exactly. Um, like as I said, the Premier Division has, was always aired last year. I know clubs individually did their own thing last year uh, in the First Division. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to see that they're given the platform and they're not forgetting about the First Division. But that just kind of shows it's a testament of the calibre of players and teams that are in the First Division this year that you just can't go unnoticed, mm-hmm. you know, like it has done in previous years. Um, so as I said, look, it's good for everyone who during this pandemic can't, uh, can't go out and support their club mm. and the first division is going to be far more interesting than the Premier Division this year anyway isn't it exactly <laughs> with, especially with some car clubs in it <laughs> um, Dave have you set targets for yourself for the season um, I haven't really as such um, as I said I, I, I've kind of gone I won't say I've gone past that stage of setting targets as I, said, I just want to kind of play as much as I can um, and kind of support the club as best as say if we can go one better um, than what they did last year then I know I've contributed to that um, you know before you know you kind of say I want to play this amount of games I want to score this amount of goals um, in, individual targets are great but as I say collectively um, it's the end goal you know um, is more important I suppose just establishing yourself in the first team I suppose has to be the immediate priority yeah, as I said, look, I know I've played at this level before in the Premier and in the First Division. Um, when you go down to Munster Senior League, you know, you can kind of say, oh, and there's kind of a thought goes around saying, oh, well, look, play Munster Senior League, you know, they can't play up in the First Division. There's a huge step up and there is a big step up. People don't think there is, but there is a big step up, you know, the commitment, um, the way things are done and uh, professionalism. So as I said, look, I, as I said, I'm just looking forward to um, going in there again, test myself. It was nice to kind of see a few familiar faces on the Longford team that I played with up in Shells a um, few years back. Um, so as I said, look, I'm looking forward to seeing um, what's in store for me this year and uh, for the club. Excellent, Dave. Very best luck for the season ahead. We'll chat you soon. Roy, thanks very much for having me.
Yeah, great to talk to, uh, to Dave O'Leary. Really enjoyed chat with him as he looks ahead to the season ahead uh, for Co Ramblers and uh, very exciting uh, things being done on and off the field there down in Cove and the very best luck to them for the season we'll have more at next week as we, we look ahead to the start of the season which is just 19 days away two weeks on Friday and uh, the Premier Division of course starting on the 19th we're not too fussed about that but <laughs> really looking forward to this First Division campaign it's going to be so competitive um, so many good teams in there a lot of teams spending a lot of money down there as well so it's going to be very very competitive and what better way to start then with uh, Cork City and Cole Ramblers at the cross on the 26th of March just a shame it's not going to be a uh, capacity seller crowd which it would have been um, were we allowed crowds but as uh, as I mentioned to Dave streaming service has been set up and uh, at least fans will be able to see it that way and of course we'll have all the best reaction on the big red bench the following day uh, after that game City making a signing today actually Jonas Hakkinen uh, the Finland under 21 international uh, joining the club spent the last two years uh, in Finland playing with FC Hack uh, so he signed today uh, so Colin Healy adding to his squad ahead of the start of the season Alright, going to get a full-time report from Peter Smith at the Etihad Stadium where Manchester United have beaten Man City 2-0 tonight. Peter Smith. City nil, United 2. United maximised in the early stages of each half. Fernandez fired them ahead from the penalty spot inside two minutes after Jesus had carelessly impeded Martial in the box. United defended well throughout, rode their luck when Rodri hit the bar and then pounced on the break with Shaw hugely instrumental, linking with Rashford before Shaw hit the net from 15 yards with a low angle strike City nil United 2 Luke Shaw was a cracker from United to be perfectly honest but a great counter-attack and a great finish uh, from Luke Shaw it's been an interesting day in the Premier League uh, it was Manchester United's second 22nd consecutive game uh, away game without defeat as well so they're doing okay on the road um, Liverpool of course beaten today by from their 6th consecutive home defeat at Anfield and uh, Newcastle and West Brom uh, scored a straw which does neither of them any favours uh, to be perfectly honest about it so with that result Fulham uh, getting closer to uh, out of the getting out of the relegation zone they're still in there just by goal difference they're on 26 points the same as Brighton who are on a goal difference of minus 8 compared to Fulham's minus 11 and Newcastle on 27 points as well but Manchester United now 11 points behind at the top and uh, Liverpool 4 points outside the relegation zone following uh, today's results and one more game as well tonight in the Premier League Tottenham and Crystal Palace is a 7.15 kickoff. we'll get uh, team news from there in just a little bit now I'm going to talk rugby and uh, earlier on in the week uh, Billy Holland uh, announcing that he was going to retire at the end of the season after 14 years in a red shirt he says he wants to go out on top while he was playing well and uh, didn't want to fade away and didn't want to be uh, on the fringes so he wants to go out on top and uh, good to see uh, the massive outpouring of support are for Billy complete and utter Munster legend now he was on the Munster press call that I was on earlier on in the week ahead of the game with Connacht and unsurprisingly mostly Billy talking about his decision to retire uh, so this is Billy speaking to me on the press um, uh, following the announcement that he was going to get out uh, at the end of the season I still get the same buzz every time I put on the jersey I still have the same sense of pride and honour that I did when I did it for the first time back in 2007 but you know I look it's the one thing that happens to every professional rugby player is you have to end at some stage and I've always wanted to finish while I'm playing well you know I've seen guys in different clubs over the years maybe stay on a year a year too long and 
I have too much respect for the for the jersey. I just wanted to go out while playing well. Do I does that mean that I feel I wouldn't be playing well in twelve months' time? Not necessarily, but you gotta make a decision at some stage. You know, that and and a big part as well, you know, of a young family. You know, professional rugby has huge demands on both you physically and mentally and time wise. And you know, I'm I'm 35. I you know want to spend as much time with my family as possible, and it's a big part of my life. And you know, you can see it yourselves. It's great talent coming up through Munster. Um, you know, big man Kalorji Snyman uh, will be around a lot more next season. Um, so there'll be less game time naturally. So I'm I'm very happy with my decision. You know, come to me next October, and I'd probably be. Uh, you know, regretting it and wishing I was out in the pitch. But uh, when the lads are doing uh, pre-season in in uh, August, whenever it'll be, I'd be very happy sitting at home. You know, that's why I kind of wanted to do this. You know, I told I told Munster, you know, a few weeks ago. I, I told the squad last week. I just want to do it, park it, and concentrate on the rest of the season. Um, you know, the the best thing I can do is just get this news out there forget about it drive on and, and, and as I said yesterday just play it to the best of my ability for whatever whatever games I get you know the last two weeks I've, or over the last couple of months I've been like well this is my last time playing in Glasgow this is my last, last time in Edinburgh playing playing this in my head um, yes I know there's a rainbow cup and I could end up back there but uh, so a lot of last but you know ultimately all that matters week on week is going out performing and getting a win and that's where you get your um that's where you get your, your your pleasure from winning winning those matches at the weekend, and it's a very narrow focus. What will I miss the most? Um, it, was, it was great uh, camaraderie with with your with your teammates. Um, you know, with COVID, it's been a lot more difficult to socialise and spend as much time as we normally do with each other. But what I'll miss most is running out in Tom Park on a Saturday night, a European game on Saturday night. That is just the most incredible buzz. The adrenaline rush you get from that, that's impossible to replicate. Um, I have some of my fondest memories, you know, playing for Munster and, you know, beating beating teams that you've no right to beat and, you know, playing against guys who are who are world class and you're and you're beating them in Thomas Park on a on a Saturday night in Europe. That's a really special thing and something that I will certainly miss. Um what won't I miss? There really isn't much, much like I, I don't see it as a job. You know, I've, I've been playing rugby since I was five or six, um, and to have been paid for this for the last however many fourteen years or whatever it is is uh, I'm incredibly lucky to to be able to do that. Um, I'll get to spend more time with my family, which is which is which is a big positive um, and something that means a lot to me. So, but there's nothing. No, I won't. Okay, I won't miss doing fitness tests in pre-season. But that, that's uh, that's you know, that's about the only thing you know. So much of the job is it's not a job really. It's a it's um it's a sport that I've always loved playing and and, and I'll miss. Absolutely, you know. I've, I've there's been a few of us have had that focus over the last few years, knowing that we're not getting any younger. Um, but for me personally, when you actually put it out there and say I am finishing, I will not be playing for Munster in six months' time. You know, you know, you are down to last chance saloon, and that does uh, sharpen the focus. And look, all we can do is week on week continue to get better, continue to grow as a team. And I think we're going in the right direction. Um, you know, whatever happens 
you know, there's, there's sometimes things are out of your control to a certain extent, but we're uh, we're just focusing focusing on ourselves as a team and, and getting better each week. I was watching highlights of the Munster All Blacks game back in 2008 there recently, and it's, you know, I kind of half expect like my old man or someone to pop up on it. It's absolutely mental. The rocks and it's just carnage. There's guys flying everywhere, and I'd say there was probably about ten red cards in that game. If you look back on it by today's standards, um, how was the change? It's a lot more structured. Um, you know, there's. Uh, You've less time on the ball. Defences are better, but you know it, it changes kind of year on year, really, doesn't it? That like the attack, the, the attack gets better, and defence will start getting up upper hand. So you know, back then there was. Um, I, I feel it's almost kind of gone back that way a little bit. I think in, in, there was a middle section where it was all about size and bulk, and and um, it's kind of gone back to guys needing to be fitter and faster to exploit space, but. In terms of training and preparation, there is no comparison. The analysis we do, the analysis of our training, the the work the coaches do, the work we do is um, it's light years from what we would have done 14 years ago. Um, but everyone's doing it, so everyone kind of goes along at the same uh, growth speed. Yeah, it's Billy Holland there uh, speaking to the press after he announced that he was going to retire at the end of the season, making his debut for Munster back in 2007 in Musgrave Park as they played the Connectly Scarlets. He was just 22 then, 14 years in a red shirt. And absolutely incredible stuff. He's won 242 caps for Munster. He's been incredible. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff and a very, very nice and likeable guy and everyone has plenty of good things to say about him. And uh, he can get a fairy tale end to his Munster career now, of course, with the Pro 14 final on March 27th. So fingers crossed he'll uh, get the send-off he deserves in that game. But absolutely incredible career in a Munster shirt. Uh, this was actually Johan van Gran actually speaking about Billy. Look, I always start with the person because um, this game that we play is about people and a phenomenal man. I've said that before. Uh, incredible family man, um, you know, husband and father, friend to a lot of people, um, and uh, a real monster man. Uh, I think respect is is one of the words that um, that pops up. Integrity, um, work right, um, and then example—the uh, example that he that he sets for for others—and now what, that's what this club's about. Uh, Billy has never been the guy that have played 50 Test matches, but he's the guy that turns up every single week for this club. And uh, you know we've we've got to give him him that respect. Uh, you know, so he'll he'll be sorely missed. But uh, like Billy and I discussed, uh, this is not about goodbyes. Uh, this is just an announcement. We've got still a big season uh, ahead of us. Um, now a a Pro 14, uh, uh, some games in a in a Champions Cup, and then hopefully a Rainbow Cup. So uh, still a long way to go in in this season for him. But um, incredible human being, Tom. Yeah, he certainly is. That's Johan van Graan speaking about uh, Billy Holland. Uh, of course, Munster booking their place in the Pro 14 final with that uh, 2017 win over Connacht on Friday night. Uh, a good win uh, for the Reds. Uh, so it's all going to be uh, down to the 27th of March and that Pro 14 final should be an absolute cracker uh, coming up uh, against the Reds uh, as they'll be uh, taking on their famous old rivals Leinster in that game. So... Fingers crossed Munson get the win and give Billy Holland uh, the send-off uh, that he deserves.
um, and it'd be fantastic for him to to get a trophy and for Munster to to end their decade long wait for a trophy as well. Uh, so that all remains to be seen on the twenty seventh of March. All right, this time next week we'll hopefully be talking about uh, an Ireland victory over Scotland in the Six Nations. And uh, we're going to hear briefly from Andy Farrell before we wrap up and hand you over to Green on Red. Uh, this is uh, briefly Andy Farrell speaking to the press uh, earlier on in the week about uh, the game against Scotland and England coming up and uh, new player contracts, the potential lines toward the summer as well. So uh, this is Andy Farrell. Just to get your reaction to the, the story that broke yesterday, that has been mentioned before, I suppose, linking you with the, uh, the Lions coaching ticket this summer. Is there any further update to that? No, there isn't. Um, I'm as updated as you are uh, on on the, uh, all the different parts of the different ramifications that that are being bounced about from from day to day. So no, there's uh, there's uh, there's. There's nothing that I know uh, um, that's uh, that's that's going on at this moment in time that gives any any clarity on the situation whatsoever. Um, we don't know whether there's a Lions tour going on. We don't know uh, at this moment in time whether there's a summer tour going on with Ireland. So um, I suppose uh, I hear that hopefully by by the end of the month, hopefully we will we'll not we'll know something more concrete. If there is a Lions tour this summer, is that something that you'd like to, if it can be worked out, something you'd like to be involved in? Well, again, um, like I've always said, and, and it's the truth, I, I'll always do the right thing of what's the right thing but for, for, for Irish rugby, you know. And at this moment in time, we don't know, like you've said, whether whether uh, whether one tour's going ahead, whether both tours are going ahead, or or vice versa which which one which one of the the two is going ahead so uh, we've no we've no clarity no certainty on anything yet so i suppose uh, we'll have to wait till the end of the month is it a case that if they both go ahead it, it, it couldn't be worked out because ireland obviously we play in the pacific islands like, is there a way that, that could be worked out do you think or if the ireland tour goes ahead is that really out again we, we we don't know what that tour looks like yet you know we we, we don't know uh, well, I don't know what's happening um, uh, as far as the, the the Lions is concerned regarding warm-up matches. I suppose the fallout from those warm-up matches is going to have different ramifications on on uh, on, on what happens uh, with the rest of the world rugby on who's available for tours, etc. So we, we we don't know what the what the what the map looks like. Final one for me, just two pieces of good news this week. Obviously, Johnny's new deal earlier in the week and announcing this morning of uh, Peter's new deal. Oh, it's fantastic news, yeah. Um, two very impo- important pieces of our jigsaw going forward for, for all sorts of reasons. And uh, they're delighted to, to, to get their contracts over the line and, and settle their futures and, uh, and we're even more so delighted for them. Um, after the win over Italy, what are the areas that you feel that you need to, to work on uh, with two massive games coming up in the space of a week? Plenty, Corky. There's plenty of areas, like also, uh, like 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 every single game. You know, you you always gonna uh, overanalyze your, your own game and and work on what could have been better. Um, but uh, I suppose after a couple of defeats, and I suppose going into the games, a little bit of pressure on on the lads, and we asked for. Uh, to show to show our character with the right attitude of turning up to the game, and rather than dwell on the on the negatives, I think we can now focus on the positives. And I think our, our attitude was 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 top class going into that game. You know, I think uh, I think like was mentioned during the week. I, th- I think it was Jerry that mentioned it that um, you know you're on a hiding to nothing 
And I suppose that's how it's seen from the outside, but we would judge ourselves by our own attitude and our own application and how we uh, attack the game. And as I said last week as well, I've, I've been involved with many teams that's, that's uh, nearly slipped up uh, against history before. And uh, obviously history shows that teams have slipped up against history, be- uh, against history before because of the, um, the, the wrong attitude, I would have thought, or the sloppiness in how they play. And I thought we got that spot on, especially in the first half. That's Andy Farrell there speaking ahead of the clash uh, with uh, Scotland next week. We'll have more, of course, on that game on next weekend's uh, shows. And uh, we'll have all the, the reaction analysis as well on Sunday show after the game. Fingers crossed we'll be talking about an Ireland win. But that's uh, pretty much it from us uh, for the show uh, this evening. It's been a, a good day of sport. Uh, Manchester United beating Manchester City by two goals to nil. Connor Halpin certainly very, very happy with that one. Uh, celebrating as uh, each United goal went in today he's up next with Green on Red three hours of the best Irish music coming away right here on Cork's Red FM um, we will be back next Saturday and Sunday as I mentioned Valerie's back in Saturday from 6 I'll be back in next Sunday from 6 uh, if you want to get in touch with us tweet us at Big Red Bench follow us on social media and if you missed any of our show tonight as well our podcast available on redfm.ie and uh, you can get that uh, there or from wherever good podcasts are found but enjoy Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Connor's up next with Green and Red. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.